Next on BYU Sports Nation, a Big 12 expansion update. Yes, seriously, and no, it's not happening, at least not for the next five years, but does it even matter? BYU's an underdog in the first four games. Huge concern or ain't no thing. Plus, Greek basketball insider George Zakis on why Jimmer Fredette's basketball life will be much easier with the greens of Panathinaikos. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live once again. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, July 16th, wherever and however you're connected. Wonderful to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with aspiring Greek translator, Jerem Jordan. I would, but I don't want to. Uh... We used Google Translate of an sdna.gr article on Jimmer Fredette's signing with Panathinaikos, and uh, it translated into the following. Jimmer Freit's case was not a simple process for Clover. The 30-year-old <laughs> former nba with the high-end cashier wanted a baking special to make the decision to come first in his career in Europe. <laughs> it makes complete sense. And the sdna.gr reveals the time of the case of 30-year killer who comes to Greece to bombard rival baskets. <laughs> I don't feel like that translated very well, although he is a killer on the court. Yes, an assassin, right? An assassin is, of a shooter. He is Assassin's Creed. Also, he's in not Europe. A 30-year killer. He's a 30-year-old yeah, assassin the, the, that's going to bring a baking special. Yeah, Greek food. I, I see potential there. Maybe Whitney's involved, right? Yeah. He's cooking up something nice yeah, for the Greek yeah, basketball he is, punster. We can find a way around this. We can right? find a corny way to use it. <laughs> Absolutely. Keep working on that, man. I won't. Keep working on that, Greek. I didn't do anything. Google Translate. Today's show lineup <laughs> is loaded. Speaking of Greece and Greek in translation. George Zakis is living in Athens. He is a Greek basketball insider. Why he believes life in Athens for Jimmer and his family is just what the doctor ordered both on and off the floor. And Fredette's going to play with maybe the top point guard in all of Europe. Details on that coming. Jerem's 10 and 10 quarterbacks. Which powerhouse program was left off the list? Mm-hmm. Plus Jacob Brugman of the AAA Tacoma Rainiers. And what has to happen for him to get the call back up to the big leagues? Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU quarterback Zach Wilson named to the Maxwell Award watch list, an annual award presented to the best all-around football player in the country. Wilson, the youngest true freshman starter ever at BYU, and he set the university's record for freshman pass efficiency at 157.23. If you don't know what that means, it's really good. The awards semifinals will be announced October 29th. The O'Brien Award watch list for the best quarterback in the country will be released today. After its appearance on BYUSN, Angels pitcher Taylor Cole pitched three scoreless innings in a 9-6 win for the Angels over the Houston Astros. Chalk it up to the Journal of Karma success. He's also good. All West Coast Conference baseball player and former BYU backhead Jackson Clough hit his first home run as a professional player. Oh! earning him a run and two runs batted in to give the Hagerstown Suns in single-A ball a 6-5 win over the Greensboro Grasshoppers. Send the Seagulls out. They'll take care of that. And track and field announces new signee Josh Trafney from Spanish Fork High School, or as we call it in Springville, Spanish. 
Trafney won the Utah 4A State Javelin Championship. He's ranked number 21 in the country. In all seriousness, do you refer to it as just Spanish? Yeah. We say, oh, yeah, down in Spanish. But not American for American pork? No. <laughs> don't ask me. I don't make the rules of South Utah County. Okay. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Big 12 expansion update. Get out of here. It's not July or the football offseason in Provo, for that matter. If we're not discussing the Big 12 and potential expansion, but in all seriousness, Brett McMurphy brought something to the forefront, friend of the program. Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby was asked yesterday about realignment, and McMurphy quoted Bowlesby saying, that would be seven years in a row. That would be the first question asked. Congratulations, you are helping us set records. And no, the Big 12 is not expanding. There have been no discussions or in the foreseeable future, end quote from Mr. Bowlesby. <gasps> Shocker. Jerem, is there any concern that there is no Power 5 expansion likely coming in the next five years? Well, I don't know that it's not likely, right? We Not quite sure. That's one league talking. Well, it seems that way. Yeah. But Well, things can change quickly. If there was no expansion, I would say that's a huge concern. That is the number one goal, in my opinion, and if it's not, it should be of BYU Athletics, is to get in to a Power 5 conference. Whether it's the whole, if it's football only, that's fine. I think BYU is a great fit in the West Coast Conference. They're thriving. They don't, all the other sports don't need to be in a Power 5 conference. But if football does not get into one at any point in the future, that's a huge deal. Sure, sure. But haven't we all conceded that it's not going to happen probably until like 2023? Yes, the preface of our conversation is what if it doesn't happen then? That's what we're talking about. If it doesn't, I think BYU has to have a hard look in the mirror and say, okay, do we stay independent? I think BYU could stay independent with ESPN for a long time. But if BYU is going to schedule in this way, they will never win 10 games again, in my opinion. Uh, And if you have a great team, you probably get a nine-win season. You have senior Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill, and you still win nine games. You didn't get to 10, right? And even then, you'd have one of those seasons. But I... I think BYU would need to consider at that point going back to a group of five conference. I don't see BYU ever going back to the Mountain West. Perhaps it's the American Athletic Conference football only or something. But uh, that would be a real concern. We're all hoping that BYU gets into a Power Five. But if not, BYU's got to have a hard conversation. Sure. And we think that some type of movement will happen at some point. Hopefully. In the next four to six years. But... As you pointed out, the question is, what if it doesn't? And everything just stays status quo. The Big 12 and Pac-12 remain resilient. There's no moving from one conference to another. It doesn't set off a domino effect. And everything just stays the same. There are 65 Power 5 teams. BYU is still independent. And then there's the group of five. Then what? Yeah, sure, that's a huge concern. Clearly, BYU, based on what happened with the Big 12 not too long ago, was very interested in positioning itself to get into a Power 5 conference. If there is a domino effect and some shifting, if I'm BYU, I literally would say, I will buy my way in and try and raise money. I mean, This, this is try, not a BYU financial thought. I'd try anything. Hey, I would love we, if it was. we will pay $38 million. We'll come up with one year's worth of annual TV revenue and... 
we, we will pay you $38 million. There's no way the church-sanctioned BYU would ever do this. To include us. Right. And, and then it gets paid off in the future. I mean, you buy your way in, and then you earn it back in the next few years. Whatever. Like, if you, if you want it that badly, I feel like BYU is going to have to do something drastic. They're not going to play on Sundays. That's never going to happen. Okay? Speaking of things that the church-sanctioned con- school would never do. That's not a concern in football, though. Say it. So, so something like that is well, they got to give up their TV deal with BYU TV, or they, they got to play on Sundays. That they got to give up something. If all sports are included, yes. But I think we're talking about football. Sure. Only, okay. Even probably, if right? even if it's football only, BYU, I feel like is going to have to do something drastic because clearly, this is not a place of doing drastic. I, things. I know. Right. So maybe this, it's not going to happen. Culture, I don't think. How much it do would. you want it? Is the real question. Not bad enough to... Uh, Buy your way in? One, admit defeat in any way, shape, or form, right? There's a certain pride and hubris and self-respect, right, that happens. I No, I, I'm with you. I just don't believe that. The, the, they paid for the annex before they even started construction, let alone we'll just go into debt and figure it out, right? Yet, Silicon Slopes may change the game for BYU Athletics, and it has been changing the game, meaning these businesses that are coming into Utah County that have, uh, you know, boosters for BYU. Like, there's some big money and technology that BYU alums are involved in locally that could help, are helping, and could help BYU in the future. Yeah, so maybe they become more self-sustaining and self-sufficient. But it's not sustaining to the point of being a Power 5 equivalent. BYU is a quality group of five or above equivalent financially, right? Yeah, and I know that paying... We're talking about Power 5 money, dude. Buying your way into a Power 5 conference seems outlandish. My point is, I think that BYU is going to have to do or provide something drastic when this shifting happens to make them the clear front runner if there is any expansion. Like, it, hey, we'll do something that the other schools aren't willing to do. We have money. We'll buy our way in. That'd be nice. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. Yeah. Maybe they take no money for the first four years, and they're like, hey, no, we'll, we'll make it work. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. No, Something like that. Yeah. No, that, that would, that's more doable than the okay. 38-mil thing. Sure, sure. Topic two. The Westgate Superbook in Vegas has lines out for six of BYU football's games this season, including the first four. Let's break them down. BYU versus Utah, BYU plus six, meaning Utah is a six-point favorite. Exactly where I thought it would be. BYU plus three versus Tennessee, BYU plus four versus USC, BYU plus five versus Washington, BYU a two-and-a-half point favorite against Boise State. What? And BYU a two-point favorite at Utah State. What do we think? Okay. Uh, yeah, let's start with Utah. I think that... That's the line we've seen. Yes. It's the rivalry game. It's the first game of the year. Now, if BYU were playing Utah like midseason or even maybe like the third game in, I think this might be a little bit more in favor of Utah, like plus seven or plus eight. And it's not a projection of the game. It's BYU won't win this game by a touchdown yes. in a PAT. It just gives context to the game. Yeah. Like you want to know who's supposed to win this game. Experts think that Utah is supposed to win this game by an average of six points. And, and, it's, and it's more like BYU won't do this to me from this end. BYU okay. won't win by seven plus. And you look at how things have fared recently. One, BYU just doesn't win this game. And two, BYU doesn't win it by more. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. BYU plus three against Tennessee in low. Tennessee. This is low. I, I, I think uh, this is interesting. I think BYU will, uh, will win this game. And I just outright win. I think BYU outright wins this game. 
So you're picking BYU to win at Tennessee after the emotional expenditure against Utah nine days later. Yeah, I think the next week you're a little worried, right? But BYU can't go 0-2, so they know they have to win one of the first two. Like, wow. like, the, like the energy going into that will be there. If BYU beats Utah, we're not going to care if BYU beats Tennessee. Now, typically, the home team is granted three points because home field advantage is worth two or three points. Assuming you're good at home, right? They and don't, who they knows, don't have to do Who that. knows what yeah. Tennessee will roll out. Tennessee, BYU is by Tennessee far stinks. their toughest non-conference competitor this year. You t- yeah. yeah, Chattanooga and somebody else that's uh, not Georgia, BYU. Georgia State. There I you think, go, right? Georgia State. Yeah. All right, BYU plus four at home against USC. Meaning USC by four. This is an interesting line. I, this is probably the hardest line to gauge and, and, and game, frankly, because USC is an enigma. We don't know what USC team yeah. is showing I for up. sure thought that Tennessee would be favored by more on their yeah, home field weird, than right? USC would be favored against BYU in Provo. I, listen, Tennessee the last two years has been the second-worst SEC team. You know what USC did two years ago? Win the Rose Bowl. So they had an offseason. That doesn't mean they can't be that team. They just had, had, they had quarterback issues last year. They had other issues, right? Washington beat BYU in Seattle 35-7 to last season. Now the Huskies yeah. make the return trip to Provo and are a five-and-a-half-point favorite at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, which technically is a half-point lower than Utah's favorite in game number one. Does that shock you that Washington is not favored by more than Utah is against BYU in Provo? A little bit. Washington's going to be really good. Um, it's just a matter of how good. Chris Peterson's the coach. They, they don't have five and seven years. They have an eight- or nine-win season, right? If it's off, right? Um, and then Boise State, BYU a favorite. A little surprising to me. Two and a half, BYU favored by against Boise in Provo. But here's Don't know the, the thing. quarterback and running back combo for and, Boise State. And That's that has been the recipe for BYU to beat Boise State in the past, at least specific to 2013. Yeah, and that's that's Cody Hoffman, Jamal Williams, Taysom Hill. I mean, that's that's a an eight and five group. BYU team with a talented group for sure. But Boise State and was a great defense. breaking in a brand new quarterback, making his first road start in a hostile environment. They don't know who the Boise State doesn't know who the quarterback is. They don't know. They got a four star freshman kid coming in. They got Chase Cord coming off an ACL injury that probably won't be ready at the beginning of the season. I would imagine, right? It happened in October. We'll yeah. see. Utah State. That's that's spot on. I think BYU should be a favorite in Logan. Jordan Love is really because good. Because of what Utah State lost. Jordan Love is really good, but yes, the Aggies lost a ton of time. 1-0 lineman returned. That's it. Different play caller, different offensive set. Like, it's... New head coach. Mike Sanford Jr. is the <laughs> OC. Right? A new old head coach. A new I mean, I know, old head coach. I know Gary Anderson is returning, but there's going to be some transition time. Yeah, and it's going to be... It's not going to be another double-digit win season for Utah State. He had, he had one there. It's not like he did it every year. Matt Wells had one great season. Boom, left. Yeah. Gary say, Anderson, one great season. Boom, left. I mean, that's, my, the, that's the formula. In, in my Logan. opinion, this is a pick'em game in Logan. Which, I mean, two is basically yeah. that, but it, it feels like yeah, a pick'em yeah. game. You like, shouldn't be like toss. a big dog. They were a 7-6 and six team last sure. year. Mediocre, right? Yeah. BYU, a six-point underdog to Utah to open the season in this many days. Countdown to the Utes. Blow the train whistle. Yeah, Rob, the freight train Morris. There it is. Much better. Fourth round draft. No, first round draft pick mm-hmm. by the Indianapolis Colts. First round defensive player. From first round Biggie, draft pick Rob for Morris. the Indianapolis Colts. 
1998 WAC Defensive Player of the Year, Buckkiss Award semifinalist, Rob Morris. Did the Snow Angel, he cost, uh, was it Ethan Poch? Owen? It was Owen. Owen Pochman, a long streak of PATs in the snow because they backed it up and Pochman missed. <laughs> because Rob Morris does the Snow Angel after a pick six. I Classic. forgot about that. What was that, 98? Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. Was Owen Pochman mad about that? <laughs> We need to get the Pochman brothers on the If you know Owen's history off the field, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So he's doing just fine. If you know, you know. (laughs) Our question of the day. What is your level of concern that BYU is an underdog in each of their first four games? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. KJ Man Scott Blake on Facebook, a lot of names, says, on a scale of 1 to 10, my concern level is maybe a 4. I think BYU will shock some of those teams. We haven't been, BYU hasn't been, I should say, this deep or skilled in a long time. Depth. It's, it's, I, a, buzz, I, it's a buzzword combo, isn't it? We, we don't just know. don't know. We just lost nine out of the 18 linebackers. Like I don't feel like that is deep quite yet. We need to see it, right? The receivers have a lot of guys, but I'm like, are any of them game-changing guys? Like, I think there's some good players in there. I mean, but. I agree. BYU typically, per the norm, per history, they win 40% of their Power 5 games. BYU's yeah. going to win at least one of these they'll first get, four. They'll get at least it's one. It's going to at least one of these first Let's four. Let's hope it's the first one. That's what they do. Dream catcher's over there, by the way. Yes. Oh, coming the, up. The dream catcher. <laughs> the you the top it. ten quarterbacks. BYU will catch in their dreams <laughs> this year. <The> new tennis. <laughs> Plus George Zakis, Greek basketball is. insider. Why Jimmer is part of maybe the most dynamic backcourt in all of the EuroLeague. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, the winners of the BYU SN right now, ESPYs, are in. Check it out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play, I am Spencer Linton alongside the fabulous Jerem Jordan. We now welcome, from Greece and Athens, Greek basketball writer George Zakis on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, making his American television debut on BYUS. And George, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Thank you for your invitations. How are you? We're fantastic. Great. We're excited to watch Jimmer Fredette play in the Euro League, but we want your perspective, and specifically from Panathinaikos. What does this signing mean for the team? Okay, so first of all, I've got to say that uh, you are not the only one who is excited about Jimmer coming to Greece because that's the same feeling that uh, every Panathinaikos fan have the recent days, the recent hours. Everyone is uh, crazy and mad and can't wait to see Jimmer playing at Oaka. Uh, it's obviously a very, very big uh, singing for Panathinaikos. Zimmer is going to be their starting shooting guard next to the best playmaker in EuroLeague, Nick Kalethis, who was uh, an ex-Florida Gator player and an ex-NBAer whom you probably know. It's a very big deal, actually, for Panathinaikos. Uh, they, they decide to exceed their budget to sign Zimmer, and they are obviously waiting a lot from him in the, in the coming year. 
Jimmer Fredette has been a big deal in the United States for several years. Tried to make it in the NBA. Played for five seasons, I guess six last year. But now he's finally getting to Europe. This is something I've wanted for a long time, George, to see Jimmer in Europe because I think he can be a star. What do you think he can be in Europe? Everyone believes that. Uh, everyone believes that Jimmer can be a star as well. But, uh, you know, I have to tell you guys that yesterday I spoke with Coach Dave Rose, the legendary coach of BYU, whom you probably know better than me. And uh, what he told me was, look, George, Zimmer has to take some time, some time to adjust in the European game. It's not like the Chinese game when you can, when you can just score and score and score, or like the NBA game. Uh, sometimes the, the tactical approach and the defensive approach is a little bit tougher in EuroLeague. So Zimmer has to take some time to adjust. When he, when, he did, when he does that, I think he will be a perfect fit for Panathinaikos. And uh, we have to mention that Nikal Ethis, who we mentioned before, is probably the best playmaker in EuroLeague, and he's averaging like eight or nine assists per game. So I think he will make Zimmer's life easier. He will find some space and some balance in offense to, to make some, some quality shots for Zimmer. George Zakis with us on BYU Sports Nation. You mentioned Nick Kalathis. He played his college ball at Florida. Of course, Jimmer coming from BYU. What kind of dynamic do you expect between those two uh, in the backcourt for Panathinaikos? Guys, uh, I think it, it will be one of the best EuroLeague dynamic duos in the backcourt. Back uh, I'm talking about Kalathis and Fridet. Uh, the fun fact, the interesting fact is... Uh, that as we revealed at sdna.gr, Zimmer called Nick uh, a week ago and asked him about Panathinaikos, about his perspective for, for the team for the next season, and they were exactly on the same page. So I think they're going to look pretty, pretty good. And uh, we have to say that uh, owner Dimitri Yanakopoulos is giving them a lot of money, so everyone in Panathinaikos waits them to be a, a very good do as well. Panathinaikos uh, isn't just any uh, Greek team or EuroLeague team. This is one of the most well-funded team by billionaires, have won the Greek League like 39 times, number six in EuroLeague last year. Give us an idea of where Panathinaikos fits in Europe. Panathinaikos is one of the powerhouses in Europe. They've got six European trophies, and EuroLeague last season said that Panathinaikos is the best team of the last 20 years in Europe. So you can understand that Zimmer is not just coming to a Greek team or to a European team, but uh, to a giant, giant team, you know. Uh, the fact is that Panathinaikos missed the Final Four in the last seven years, so it would be a great challenge for Zimmer to take them to the Final Four of the EuroLeague. Now, the owner of the team has wanted Jimmer for a long time. What changed to make this uh, marriage, if you will, happen in Europe? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Uh, he wanted Jimmer from 2014. Back then, Jimmer decided to sign with the Pelicans, and then he chased uh, something else, something different in Chinese. From what I've heard from Fridet's camp is that he and his family wanted a new challenge and wanted to try something new. Uh, as we know, Fridet is a family man. He has a great family, and Tathers can provide them everything. 
to satisfy them, to satisfy him, his wife, and their kids. Uh, so I think that one of the basic reasons is Athens and Panathinaikos as a team. Afterwards, it is a, a challenge on the court, uh, when, where EuroLeague is obviously pretty better and tougher and more competitive than the Chinese CBA. I think that uh, Zimmer decided to have a big challenge in his career in probably the second best league in the world after the NBA. One of his old teammates plays for Barcelona now, so that could be fun in the EuroLeague matchup. But I did want to ask you, George, what is it like to live in Athens? Uh, first of all, just a small comment about what you said about, about Brandon Davis, his former teammate. We have to say that Barcelona made the super team this season on the market. You might saw their moves, but they signed Nikola Mirotic, Alex Abrines, and they are like a super team right now in EuroLeague. So, living, uh, living in Athens. Well, uh, as I have mentioned before in some recent interviews with some American media who are interested about Zimmer, Athens can provide you with anything, with uh, good life, with big life, with quality life. Uh, they have great restaurants, great food. Uh, Greek cuisine is very, very good, and I've, I've saw that uh, Fridette's wife is ready to try some gyros, which is a traditional food here. And uh, she said that uh, in Instagram. Anyway, there, there are good schools. Uh, people here speak English fluently. So I think the circumstances are very, very good for a, for a family man like Zimmer. The airport is, uh, is new and it's big. It's, uh, you know, I think that Athens can provide him with everything that he wants to live a good life here. George, I think what we're really asking is, can we stay with you if we come to yeah. visit in Athens? Yeah, can we visit, George? <laughs> uh, yeah, guys. Guys, I'm waiting for you, but I have to mention that there, there's been like 10 or 15 guys from BYU who are texting me and saying, okay, George, we need a place. Yeah, guys, come on, come on. <laughs> yes, the Hotel Zacchaeus, right? Uh, probably. Yeah, why not? A, a new career on the way. Oh, that's good stuff. George Zakis with us on BYU Sports Nation. Now, Rick Patino coached the team and left uh, complaining of too many flares and cigars. So what's the coaching situation now like for Panathinaikos? Uh, Panathinaikos signed Dariris Pedulakis, who is a Greek coach. He has played for Panathinaikos before, and he has been Panathinaikos coach two times also. So now he will be in his third term as Panathinaikos coach. He's well known about, uh, about his scouting abilities and about the way he can react in the game. Uh, and everyone respects him in, uh, in Panathinaikos. Panathinaikos fans and Panathinaikos ownership as well. So uh, if, if you want to talk about the flares and the cigars, okay, man, it's, if, you, if, you come, if you actually come to Athens and stay at my house and then go to Aka, you will see it by yourself. It's just another atmosphere. It's just another world than the the NCAA or the NBA world. So there are flares and cigars? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, there are. There are. You know, uh, you, you can see the videos. You can watch the atmosphere. It's uh, when there are 20,000 people with the flares and stuff like that, lots of players say that this is an amazing atmosphere and that they, they love to play in that atmosphere. It's obviously not that healthy for them, though. <laughs> but you can see the videos and this is a, this is a European atmosphere. Uh, and the nickname of Panathinaikos, uh, is it the Shamrocks or the Greens? And uh, if so, what's the history behind that? 
Yeah, it's uh, that's the traditional color of Panathinaikos, the green, and uh, everyone calls them the greens. But the recent years, everyone also called them the the six-star team because they've got six European championships. Of course, everyone in Panathinaikos hope that they will uh, add another star next to them as soon as possible. George, it's great to talk to you, man. We hope you enjoyed your American debut on television. Uh, follow him at Zakas George on Twitter. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you again soon with uh, some exciting Jimmer updates. I enjoy it as well, guys. And uh, as, I, as we said before, there is an open invitation for you in Greece. Thanks, George. Thank you. George Zakis on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First. You know why we show how. Can you imagine the Merritt Center with uh, 20,000 flares? Oh, Listen, my goodness. It, it, is, it is crazy. And uh, perhaps Jimmer plays with a ventilation mask, like the Bane thing that the Texas players wore a few years ago. Here. <laughs> it, it, can be, it can be wild. It's, a, it's certainly a different culture, a different style of rooting and supporting uh, your team in Europe. So I am an assassin here to defeat rival baskets. <laughs> At least... Uh, at, at least there will be fans at the games, unlike some of those venues in China. 20,000. This is, uh, as George said, a powerhouse basketball program in the year. Oh, yeah. When you have a billionaire owner, that's what happens. More money, uh, you get more things. That's why BYU wants to be on a Power 5, right? More money, more things. And mo problems. Coming up, pro baseball player Jacob Brugman on Life in Triple A. Plus, Jerem's 10 and 10 quarterbacks. The top 10 QBs BYU will face. Which powerhouse program was left off the list? Mm. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation back in Studio B. Let's keep it rolling with another look at today's BYUSN headlines. Led off by BYU sophomore quarterback Zach Wilson, named to the Maxwell Award watch list, an annual award presented to the best all-around football player in the entire country. Wilson? Remember, the youngest two freshman starter ever at BYU. He set the university record for freshman pass efficiency at 157.23. 18 for 18 in a bowl game. Really? Should do that for you. The award semifinalists will be announced October 29th. The O'Brien Award watch list for the best quarterback in America will be released today. After his appearance on BYU Sports Nation yesterday, Angels pitcher Taylor Cole pitched three scoreless innings in a 9-6 win over the L.A. Angels uh, over the Houston Astros. All West Coast Conference baseball player, former BYU Batcat Jackson Clough, still doing work. Hit his first home run of his professional career. Had two runs batted in to give the Hagerstown Suns a 6-5 win over the Greensboro Grasshoppers. The track and field announces new signee Josh Trafney from Spanish Fork High School. Trafney won the Utah 4A State Javelin Championship. He's ranked number 21 in these United States. Everybody loves a top 10. It's time that we reveal another top 10 list specific to the quarterbacks that BYU will face this year in college football. It's Jerem's 10 and 10. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem, 10 and 10. Let's go. Teams not represented. Idaho State, UMass. Boise State. What? Nope. Chase Court tore his ACL. Nope. Didn't play enough. No Boise State. Number 10, Eli Peters, Toledo. He split time with Mitchell Guadani, who was injured. 55% passer. 18 touchdowns, 7 picks, 1,800 yards last season. Transfer from Illinois. I didn't know Illinois produced football. 
Part of an offense that led the Mac in scoring at 40 a game. His name is Eli, and he's a quarterback. Makes you wonder, is he elite you like Eli Manning? You can't spell, well, Eli Manning's not elite now. Number nine, <laughs> Ryan Agnew, San Diego State. Agnew was 6-1 and one as a starter last year, splitting duties with Christian Chapman between injuries. It's Agnew's job now. He threw for 1,600 yards, 10 touchdowns. New spread offense should suit the dual-threat quarterback better. I'm a little skeptical on San Diego State's offense. Offense as a whole. I think Agnew can play, but I think San Diego State's going to struggle to score points all year. Juwan Washington, good running back. We'll see. New offense, right? Same OC. Number eight, Jaron Garantano, Tennessee. 12 touchdowns in 12 games last year. That's not a high number. He was hurt in several of those, but played through it. In two seasons, 16 touchdown passes, five picks. Doesn't turn it over easily, but doesn't have a three touchdown game yet. 200 plus passing in just four games, underdeveloped weapons around him, and a young offensive line. It's a Tennessee quarterback not named Peyton Manning, so I guarantee it that he will underdeliver. What about T. Martin? Huh? Number seven, Blake Barnett, South Florida. The fifth year senior and former five star recruit started 10 games last year, scored 20 touchdowns, eight on the ground, 12 passing, 2,700 passing yards last year, fifth most in school history. Uh, that would be like 28th at BYU. This is his third stop after Alabama and Arizona State. What were Blake Barnett's stats when South Florida lost six games in a row last year? Probably not good. (laughs) Number six, Stephen Buckshot Calvert. Buckshot is his middle name, legally. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Yep, that's his name. Second most pass yards of any returning uh, quarterback BYU will face this year. 270-plus in seven of the first eight games in 2018. 21 TDs, 18 picks, so that ratio is not great. But in 2017, he put up 447 yards and three touchdowns in a win at Baylor. Aside from having the best quarterback name on this entire list, I think Liberty and Calvert are sneaky. I'm glad BYU has this game in Provo. They're sneaky. Last year, they were kind of a transitional FBS team independent. Now they're full-fledged FBS independent this year. To the top five, number five, Mitchell Guadani Toledo, second Toledo quarterback on this list. In a blind resume, you might think this is Zach Wilson. Listen, in seven games before a collarbone injury, he averaged 7.1 yards in non-sack carries, 13 passing touchdowns, three picks, 162 pass efficiency. Those are Zach Wilson's number almost to a T. Part of an offense that led the Mac in scoring at 40 a game. Toledo happens to be the game right after BYU takes on four power fives and the Cougars have to go to the glass bowl. This game concerns me quite a bit. And yeah, Mitchell can throw the ball for sure. Toledo lost its top three receivers that had a ton of weapons, uh, weaponry and yardage and touchdowns. So that's the goodness. Number four, JT Daniels, USC. Started 11 games last season against Notre Dame in the season finale, 26 of 31 as a freshman. Backup Jack Sears will push Daniels for the starting spot in August. Third in the Pac-12 as a freshman, 243 a game. He didn't play great, but he was highly recruited. And with those receivers, which to me are the best uh, among all the opponents BYU face, he's a he's a good QB. This is a trap game for USC, and I just have this funny feeling that BYU is going to bring the house against JT Daniels and that offensive line from USC. I think BYU's defense is going to have a fun day against this team. Number three, Tyler Huntley, Utah. He's a senior now, 140 efficiency rating, 12 TDs, 6 picks, and 9 games last year before breaking his collarbone. That's multiple QBs that broke the collarbone. Huntley had a tremendous October. Utah was 4-0 uh, in the Pac-12. They were rolling before his injury. He's the real deal, people. If Tyler Huntley can stay healthy, Utah may very well win the entire Pac-12 and go to their first Rose Bowl. I'm interested to see him play because he's good. He's been really good at times, but at times he's just okay. 
Number two, Jordan Love, Utah State. Love was incredible last year. 3,500 passing yards, 32 touchdowns, 64% completion rate, seven rushing touchdowns, four TDs against Brigham, seven 300-yard passing games. He was fantastic. But as we mentioned, only one other starter back on offense and a new offensive staff. I think things will be different. They won't be as explosive. Jordan Love is good enough to help Utah State probably win eight games this season, but this is a very different team. Yeah, and I... BYU's favored by two and a half in Logan, for crying out loud. That would not have happened last year. Right. Uh, that was Utah State team that finished top 25, 11-2. And, and the top quarterback BYU will face in 2019, Jacob Eason, Washington. The 6'6 signal caller returns home to Seattle where he was a five-star high school standout. He started 16 games in two seasons at Georgia before he lost the job to Jake Fromm after an injury. As a freshman, threw for 16 touchdowns, eight picks in the SEC. And after a redshirt year last year, takes over for Jake Browning and uh, tries to jumpstart this offense that has not been what they were hoping. They've relied on the defense more the last two years. The transfer situation is always interesting to me because I wonder if it will help Jacob Eason take the next step or if it's going to be a situation where he just is mediocre like a lot of transfer quarterbacks late in their careers. Could this be a Russell Wilson situation where He's at Wisconsin, and they're awesome. I don't know, maybe with Chris Peterson. Yeah, he's back home. He's got two years to play, and those are the top ten quarterbacks BYU will face in 2019. Okay, coming up, what former Cougar hung out with Jim Nance at his house and nearly had a hole-in-one? And how come we didn't get invited? Because we're not this guy. (laughs) Plus, Jacob Brugman playing in 4A baseball? I thought it was AAA. Wait a minute. What's uh, the story there? He tells us next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The best of BYU Sports Nation airs Saturdays at noon Eastern on BYU Radio. It's also on demand on the podcast feed after it features the best conversations and interviews each week. The pressure is on from us to provide two hours of good content so that that show exists. Mid-July, 44 days away from college football Mm. between BYU and Utah. Welcome back to the show. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline from the Pacific Northwest is Jacob Brugman playing for AAA Tacoma, an affiliate of the Seattle Mariners. Jacob, nice to have you back on the show. My Seattle Mariners. It's great to be back, guys. How's life in AAA Tacoma? Jerem wants you to say it's the best thing ever because of his Mariners affiliation. It's really nice. I really like it here. It's a beautiful city, and uh, the organization has been great to me so far. The Pacific Coast League is like your second home, right? You've been able to play in that league not only with the A's, but now with the Mariners. Um, What's it like playing in the PCL? And uh, you have some BYU teammates in there too, right? Yeah, I love the PCL. It's it's a lot better than I I think than the IL, which is the International League. that's more East Coast. So uh, the PCL is great. And, yeah, there's a few guys. Um, I got to go to breakfast, actually, with a few BYU guys uh, last week. So it was cool. Who who was that? And uh, how often does something like that happen for you? Uh, it hasn't happened in a while. But um, I was able to go with Taylor Cole and Brennan Lund. It was a – they came to Tacoma, and it was – we had a nice little breakfast before one of our night games. It was it was really awesome. What's it like to have multiple BYU guys in the same league that uh, you match up against? It's fun. Uh, it's always a good time to, you know, just 
see some old faces, some friends, and then, uh, you know, just get together. You know, it, that BYU uh, alumni blood is pretty strong, so it's, it's a cool relationship to have. We had Taylor Cole on the show yesterday. It was really cool to talk to him after he started the first two innings of that no-hitter on Friday. Did you happen to catch that story? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I, I didn't even know he was starting that day, and when we got in from our game, you know, they had the no-hitter up there, and we watched the rest of it, and it was just – I couldn't believe that he was part of that. It's such a big uh, moment in his career, and I'm so happy for him. Jacob Brugman, former BYU baseball standout, current member of the AAA Tacoma Rainiers, with us on BYU Sports Nation. You've been in the big leagues. You've played with the Oakland A's. You've been to the big show, now back down to AAA. What's life like as uh, you, you hope to break back in with the Mariners? Uh, you know, you just try to go about your business the same way and, and try to just get back. You claw your way back as, as, as hard as you can. Uh, and, you know, it's it's been good. It's been a, a learning experience, and I think the more time you get to grow as a player, the, the better you'll be. Since July 2nd, you've had a hit in all but two games, so you've been on a nice little stretch here. What's changed for you at the plate? I don't know. I usually, after the All-Star break, I get a little, I have a little slow bat coming back, but uh, this time wasn't the case, so it was it was nice to see that. Um, but, you know, I just make some small changes from the last few years, um, and this year they've been uh, paying off. You are hitting 277, 10 home runs on the season, and this after you went from one coast to the other, from my favorite team's organization, the Baltimore Orioles, to Jerem Jordan's beloved Mariners. Uh, how would you explain the transition from Norfolk and Baltimore going all the way to the Pacific Northwest? It's pretty crazy. It's coast to coast. Uh, you know, you don't really plan for these things, and uh, you just got to take it one day at a time. Uh, it, it's it was it was nice to get back on the West Coast for sure. <laughs> How do you handle the uncertainty of the day-to-day grind of being a, a minor league baseball player that hopes to be a major league baseball player, but any second you could go up, you could go down, you could be moving, you have a family, right? Uh, what's that like emotionally? Oh, man, it's, it is, it's kind of a lot, uh, but you do get used to the, the movement because you see it every day with all your teammates and um, and the older you are, the more you play, the more used to it you are. So it's it's uh, it's it's a lot, but you know I got a great family. My wife's amazing, and she really is uh, the champ here with the two kids at home and taking care of them. And and you know wherever I am, she'll she'll come out and see me. So she's she's the winner here. We'll go ahead and clip that soundbite off and send it to you so you can play it for her later. Anniversary, Mother's Day, and so on, yeah. (laughs) All right. Jacob, what's the biggest difference between AAA and not so much the bigs, but we want to know the difference between single A, double A to triple A. What what kind of difference is there in play style and just in lifestyle overall? Um, It's it's pretty different. Uh, There's there's a lot of AAA teams here that are – yeah, you know, we kind of joke around and call it 4A, you know, because they're they're nice fields and they're not like they're a little better than AAA minor leagues, but they're not quite big leagues, so they say 4A. It's just a little joke, but 
you know, the the low A teams, uh, it's a bit more of a grind. The food's not as good. Hotels aren't <laughs> as good. Um, and that's a, that's a big thing because that's where we spend all our time. So uh, as as for the play, the style of play and the, the talent, you know, everyone has the talent. It's just they all got there. Um, but it's just a, it's um, everyone is just a little more sharp. I guess you'd say everyone is just a little more polished um, with their skills. And uh, that's, that's basically the main difference. Last Thursday, you were a triple shy of the cycle. And it seems like a triple would be the hardest one to get. Did you have an at-bat for a chance at a triple? And if so, how do you even try and get a triple? Uh, yeah, that's hard. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was hoping I'd get it. I've been wanting one of those for a while. But... Um, the triples are hard, and you really can't. I mean, you can't really try to do one or the other. But um, I struck out twice after going three for three with the single double <laughs> triple. So. Were you going for the triple? So, Were you swinging for the corners? <laughs> some would say maybe I was trying a little too hard. <laughs> but did, did you feel the pressure of that, though? Like, oh, man, if I get a triple, like, this is going to be it. A little bit. I was more worried about making it to third because I was a little sore and I was—I I knew I had to run pretty hard. So, Jacob, as we've documented, you're doing some really good things at the plate right now. Where do you feel like you want to get better specifically and take the next step so that uh, the big club has to say, "Look, we got this guy's playing well. We got to call him up." Yeah. Um, well, you know, I made some um, changes with in the off season with my swing and uh, worked pretty hard with. A hitting coach of mine and I, I really just want to be able to be more consistent with it and uh and cut down on some strikeouts and, and just try to be uh more within myself and not expand the zone and you know so basically I just want to command the zone a little better than I have been and I think that would help a lot of showing them that I'm ready who are some of the players, either as teammates or opponents, that you faced in AAA or or just in the minors that maybe were coming through on rehab or or eventually went into the majors that you're like, oh man, that was cool to play with or against that guy. Oh man, there's, there's a lot of them um, playing in AAA. You you basically play with every big leaguer that's up and coming. So um, I've played with uh, Victor Robles for the. For the Washington Nationals, I've played with uh, you know a ton of guys from the A's that are really having a breakout year. Um, you know, everyone. You usually, if you play long enough, you will play with a lot of the stars, and at some point, and I think I've played with a very good handful of them. Jacob, it's great to catch up with you, man. We always appreciate the conversation, and uh, we're hoping that uh, you get the call up to the Mariners. In fact, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Yeah, against Las Vegas tonight. Yeah. You went 0 for 4 last night, but you're about to go at least 2 for 4 tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Thank you, guys. I love that. You got it, man. Uh, Best of luck to you. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Jacob Brugman getting it done in 4A baseball on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. Yeah, it's good to see him doing well. Um, yeah, one triple short of the cycle has had a nice run in the minors. Hopefully he gets called up to my Seattle Mariners. Uh, we saw Jacob Hanneman break in a couple of years ago. Uh, still waiting for Hanneman to break in with the Cubs. That would be awesome. Um, Mariners stink. 
Oh, Hanneman was released, I'm told, so never mind. Maybe he's uh, on another team uh, trying to go that way. So um, hopefully one of these guys breaks in. We had three in one summer two years ago. Yeah, that was fun. Was pretty awesome. That was really fun. That was great. Coming up, BYU signs a guy Tiancom would be proud of. And a pair of Cougar baseball players have earned my rise and shout-out. This is BYU Sports Nation. Shout-out to today's guests, Greek basketball insider George Zakas and Jacob Brugman of the AAA Tacoma Rainiers. The show is on demand via the podcast and the BYU TV app. You can whip it now. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Zach Wilson's on the Maxwell Award watch list, given to the best all-around player in the nation. Cougars in the Major League. Taylor Cole with an infusion of BYU Sports Nation karma pitched three scoreless innings and a 9-6 win for the LA Angels over the Houston Astros. Cougars in the minors. Jackson Clough hit his first professional homer to give the Hagerston Suns a 6-5 win over the Greensboro Grasshoppers. David D.C. Clawson hit a three-run home run and a 6-5 Orem Owls loss to Idaho Falls. Track and field. BYU announces new signee Josh Trafney from Spanish Fork High School. Trafney won the Utah 4A State Javelin Championship. He's ranked number 21 in the country. Today's Rise and Shoutouts. Presented by Jeremy Spencer. For me, I'm going with Jackson Clough and Taylor Cole, a couple of former BYU baseball guys getting it done for their respective professional teams. Clough hit his first professional home run in Hagerstown. Taylor Cole, uh, all he did was become part of a unforgettable no-hitter, and then he just pitched three more scoreless innings in uh, their most recent win. Mine goes to former BYU basketball player Michael Smith, who is friends with Jim Nance, went to Jim Nance's house at Pebble Beach and uh, nearly got a hole-in-one. Here he's hanging out. Jim Nance was narrating, by the way. Incredible. With Masters music. And then we have footage from Michael Smith of Jim Nance swinging. They were hanging out. Jim Nance, by the way, used to work at KSL and broadcast some BYU games. How about that? Uh, Mike Smith, um, we, we want to hang out with Jim Nance, too. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's pretty incredible to get Mr. Nance to agree to that. Our question of the day, what is your level of concern that BYU is an underdog in each of the first four games? Troy Beagley on Facebook says, none whatsoever. BYU has the ability and talent to beat anyone they put our heart and soul into beating. BYU holds the cards. It'll depend on what game they choose to play with those cards, and that'll determine the outcome of each game. Started in this pit, we ran out of time. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Troy Hines, 44 days away. See you on BYU Sports Nation tomorrow at noon. Go Cougs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.